cool concert venues, an annual film festival, downtown shops and restaurants, and a vibrant arts community. The Red River Market for great eating and shopping, miles of hiking and biking trails, sports teams and city parks, and much more. That's the thriving community of Fargo, home to North Dakota State University, where you'll find an innovative entrepreneurial spirit and job opportunities after graduation. Experience NDSU. Visit today. All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an MBA podcast, Wednesday, January 30th. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. And I don't know if I can recover from last night's minutes, uh, the, the minutes in the <laughs> Lakers last night, buddy. I, <laughs> I just don't. We're going to talk about tanking and stuff like that. I don't think the Lakers are tanking, but um, we're going to. This is going to be something of a theme of today's podcast. But when you look at a box score and you see Michael Beasley five minutes, Kentavious Caldwell Pope ten minutes, these are starters, right? Like, what do we even? I feel like this is, you know, the tanking starts earlier and earlier as teams um, just kind of run into problems. The Lakers don't even really fit that bill, but like, are we in sort of uncharted territory in terms of teams just willing to do this? And I have a, li- I have a list of other teams that are just, are, that are going crazy here. How much does, of a state of flux does this stuff kind of put us in? Does it, does it feel earlier than usual? Like, I don't know, I don't even know what to think about this right now. Well, yeah, we were talking earlier, and you were like, yeah, these guys, did they seem openly tanking? Yeah, the Knicks, obviously, throwing now. Cleveland was losing on purpose last night. It is still January, right? Like, do yeah. they know that people are going to pay, like, real money that they worked hard to earn to come watch these games? Like, Or, or is it just that the NBA fan is now sophisticated enough that, you know, because I just don't listen to... Like, back when I listened, lived in New Jersey, I would listen to local talk radio, sports talk radio, and people would be tearing their mind out, or tearing their mind out? Tearing their hair out about, like... Uh, the Mets still not looking good at the end of the season when they were like 20 games under 500 or something. It's like, you know, at this point, losing is better than winning. So don't worry about it so much, you know. Right. But uh, but I guess if you hit a critical mass, like, you know, Philly in the process or whatever, and you have more sophisticated fans than not, winning is worse for the Knicks than it is losing, right? Sure. So that just kind of complicates things. I don't know. I saw a funny. Uh, I saw a couple of funny tweets about the Lakers, at least that like they let Brandon Ingram play thirty nine minutes and take twenty shots as the signal to the Pelicans, like, hey, wouldn't this wouldn't this guy be a good guy to have in your team? Look at this, like, look what he can do. And then they brought in Josh Hart and played him thirty five minutes off the bench, and he took a couple shots or he took ten <laughs> shots, and they were like, this guy'd be awesome too. And then you could have Kuzma as well. Like, I think that like I don't I don't know if they were just like if they were just purposely just keeping like they're like Mike I Beasley played ten minutes. Sorry, um, the uh, the or if they just saw that. I don't know what whatever they whatever they're trying to do. I, I I misread Pope's minutes too. I don't know if I looked at the wrong thing. He played twenty six. Still stunk. Doesn't matter. Um. So anyway, just a, it's just such a funny scenario that we're seems like we're already in. Zubak played seventeen minutes, and we're gonna get into some of these other tanking teams today. And and actually, in teams too that I'm I'm wondering if they're tanking or not. So we can have a discussion about where where we think certain teams are going. And yes, we're still even you know, a week away from the trade deadline and many weeks away from the end of the season. So I, for a lot of these teams, it's going to get worse before it gets better. We'll go through every game here. Main Sleep does not start till 7.30 tonight, so don't tell your wife and kids. If they, they're used to you disappearing near 7 o'clock, don't tell them that you have an extra half hour um, and just give yourself an extra half hour to put in lineups tonight. Dallas goes in and plays the Knicks. Dallas is six-point favorites here against New York. 
who has, you know, you mentioned them before, has no incentive to win. And they've sort of, has, it looks like they've they've finally figured this out about this is what you do to get a first round draft. They're a very high draft pick. They've seen Yeah, they're, they're definitely full on in the Zion Williamson sweepstakes right now. They, they Cleveland with a two game win streak, New York vaulted into first place. In oh, does that, I was in their premium chat room last night and I was like, this is a disaster win for the Cavs. Like the Cavs cannot be winning games like this against the back Wizards. Like, like it's just like, this is exactly the thing you don't want to do. Knicks down to 10 and 39 on the season, have lost their last 10 in a row. Um, <laughs> Moutier is out, I believe. Yeah, Moody is already out. A lot of people thought that yeah, would mean Trey Burke coming in and playing a lot of minutes. Nope, uh, that was not the case. He started and just uh, played like something like 25 minutes last game. As again, they've signaled that they're not going to, they're not just going to run any of these guys big minutes. I mean, but would you still trust, can you trust guys like Hardaway or, you know, Kevin Knox? They still have kind of played Knox a little bit. They bring in Lonzo Trier off the bench. What are your thoughts on the Knicks? And then we'll talk about the Dallas, uh, we'll talk about the Mavericks. Yeah, my thoughts are that I don't want to play any of the Knicks. Uh, like you said, starting for this team doesn't seem to matter. They're definitely now broken the fourth wall in terms of losing on purpose where, you know, they would say stuff like, uh, we didn't feel like uh, Cantor was going to be the best matchup in this right. particular spot. And now they just seem to have thrown that out the window. And yeah, Trey Burke, very obviously the best option there at point guard right now. The fact that he can only get 25 minutes means that they're not taking uh, taking their game seriously right now. So I, if they're not taking their game seriously, I don't know why I would take them seriously for DFS purposes. Uh, well, I, I take that back. There are some ways you can take your game not seriously that can help, like kind of the way the Suns do with like Devin Booker. They're like, whatever, man, <laughs> stay out there. Who cares what yeah, the score is? The we're bad enough around you to lose all the right games anyway, like in spite of you. So I, that's you kind just of keep practicing. Yeah, right. this is your, <laughs> but no, nah, they, they don't care. It's it's quite a crime against humanity right now. And Dallas, they're in a very they're in an impossible spot here too. They're they're five games under five hundred with a team that's just good enough to probably not be able to tank, right? Like guys like Doncic. Um, they have Dennis Smith Jr., who's been on the trading block, and Jordan, and guys like this. Knicks are still a good matchup if you're if you're willing to run your guys. Like Doncic played 36 and 35 minutes the last two games, took 24 shots last game, and triple doubled. He's really just continues to get better as the season goes on. He had 35 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists. Is this the kind of matchup you'd want to target him in? There's not a ton of big high end payoffs like there were last night with Giannis and Russ and Paul George and all these Embiid and all these other guys. Tonight does not have that caliber of player at 9800 though is this are we just are we in too is he just gotten too expensive at least on FanDuel yeah probably I mean uh, the the funny thing with like Dallas I also just want to point out real quick that it's nice that Dallas is essentially mathematically eliminated I mean they're the third worst team in the west right now record wise five games out of the playoffs with like six teams ahead of them or something they're not going to make the playoffs no chance but I like that they're not just throwing it away so I just want to say kudos to Dallas um, as far as Doncic is concerned, I'm not going to play this guy at 9,800 unless I see like three weeks of him right. scoring 60 fantasy points a game, at which point he'll be 12,000 instead. Like, we just have a whole season track record. It's not like he's playing more minutes right now. He could be playing in a slightly different role, uh, especially, you know, with DSJ used to handle the point guard duties. Uh, they're obviously running the offense through Doncic. He's getting a lot more assists. But, like, it's, did he go from. So, season long stats are. 27 and 5 much of which is very buoyed by this recent performance too i would add is he now legitimately 38 and 8 guy no he's not so uh you have to be really 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 good to be a ten thousand dollar player and donk it's just not there for me i'll be every percentage of ownership i see out of him will please me yeah and i think if you're just looking at comparative players at the same price at least on FanDuel, you look at drew holiday at 9600 so 200 less and i think all you need to look at there is just you know are you're gonna get 
in a, in the right situation, you're going to get almost 15% more minutes out of Holiday. Like I think that even like so even if he gives up some fantasy production per minute, he make he more than makes it up on just the amount of minutes he's projected to play because I just just doesn't. It's just 35 to 36 is really just it does seem like the hard cap. And I wouldn't be surprised if you just saw that continue to go down over the rest of the season because again, Dallas is too good to really put it fully in the tank. Um, and, and like you said, they're just too, they're also not good enough to make the playoffs. So like they're in a terrible middle ground. It's like the worst middle ground you could be in, in the NBA, right? Like you just, yeah, too, too good. No yeah. Too good to lose. Not good enough to make the playoffs. And I mean, they make the playoffs easy if they were in the East, but um, anyway, they just, they just happen to be in this buzzsaw of a West. All right, let's move on. The other seven thirty game is Charlotte and Boston. Boston's eight point favorites here in the news is that Kyrie has already, well, he's doubtful and I don't think he's going to play. So um, I think we can pretty much, I, I, even at, this is nine thirty in the morning, I think we can make a pretty strong determination that Terry Rozier is going to start again. Drew this our last time, played 35 minutes. His pro, he was obviously clear mega chalk as you know, Kyrie sits out just yeah. often enough to get Rozier's price all the way back down so that when he does start, it's like back down to 4,500 and then everyone, every single person in the world plays him. And then usually Kyrie just, he'll play the next game. But this one, the price does come up on, on Rozier back up to like 6,500 uh, 6, on FanDuel. I kind of still see him as a good play at 6,500. And I think, and I'm wondering, A, if you think, if you agree, and B, if you think people will be turned off because in their head they'll say, oh, I just remember playing him at 4,500 and... Now it's just too expensive. I think I've, I've seen people sometimes just throw out that term. It's too expensive, not really knowing exactly what they mean. Um, and I have another yeah, example. Yeah, no, I haven't seen that with Rozier very much based on ownership percentage in the past. I think, if anything, Rozier's basically been good on his price every time he's been a starter. So I think people, that tends to be the thing that people resonate with. Uh, yeah, he's had some good matchups recently when he's been playing these bigger minutes, like almost ideal, right? Atlanta, 29 minutes, Cleveland, 29 minutes, Brooklyn, 35 minutes. So, you know, maybe you don't sign up for 46 fantasy points here, but Charlotte and their backcourt defense hasn't been stellar this season either. So, yeah, I'm playing, I'll play Rozier at 6,500, and I expect that a lot of people will do the same. The other guy that we've long wanted to play when Kyrie is out, and he just always seemed to just do just jack squat when he got the start was Marcus Smart or he's still starting but like you know when they had that point guard sitting is Marcus Smart and he he seemed to perpetually underperform when Kyrie was off and then last game actually had a great game went seven for 15 from the field four for 10 from three uh seven assists had a ton of defensive stats he really can't count on two blocks and five steals but do you think he like we gave him 33 minutes again would you be willing to run him out there at a shooting guard position which is not amazing I mean there's there are some there are some options here but I'm wondering if I don't know. We have him for 28 and a half fantasy points. I could probably even tack on another minute to probably bring him something like a little north of 29 fantasy points. Do you, you, could you see rostering smart, or do you think that'd be maybe chasing points a little bit too much off last game where it, uh, really a lot of it was on the defensive end? Well, I have to say that we played smart against Golden State, and our chatters and our premium chat threw an absolute fit. And, of course, he was awful. He right. was at 17 fantasy points, only played 28 minutes in a game that I thought they would really need him. Uh, and a game that stayed close. And then, of course, he turns right around against Brooklyn and uh, drops 53 fantasy points. I don't know. It, it's more expensive now for Smart. I will say that I didn't even feel great about playing Smart against Golden State at 4,900. And it'd be tough to stomach going all the way up to the 57 for him. I don't think, I certainly don't think he's a guy we need to force if it comes down to that. Uh, if he winds up in lineups, anytime Smart winds up in lineups for me, it's basically like until something fundamentally changes about how they use him, it's going to be kind of like, 
uh, something I do grudgingly rather than something I go headlong into. So I'm very unlikely to bump his projection manually here. Uh, and then on the Charlotte side, uh, I don't know you know, if you see anything here. The Boston still plays pretty good defense. Even oh, Okay, I want to go back to one thing about Boston, but I'll go back to keep it on Charlotte here. Boston still plays pretty good defense. You know, we played Kemba Walker here and there last time out in a much better matchup. I don't know. I, I, I typically don't want to roster guys against the Celtics. I don't know if you see it differently, though. No, yeah, I don't really want to roster guys against the Celtics generally unless there's some outsized opportunity. And Charlotte has not really provided us with that for a single game all season. So I'm not, I'm, tonight won't be the night that I break my not playing Charlotte guys streak, I don't think. One guy that I wanted to mention I forgot on the Celtics was Jalen Brown. So he didn't start, but he did play 32 minutes on the bench and has played more in games where Kyrie has missed. Was uh, was good, nine, nine for, was very good. Nine for 16 from the field, did shoot three from five from three. So that's going to be a little more than you can expect. On his minutes off the bench, where do you think is a good place to land for a guy like Brown? I always get a little gun shy when it comes to bench minutes. I'm at 28 minutes right now, but again, like I said, he did play 32 last game in a close game. Yeah, that's not, 28 seems aggressive to me even. I would definitely wouldn't go higher. Again, Golden State, a matchup that presumably you would have wanted to see him out there, and he just wasn't. So, And I get that Kyrie played that game. Uh, you can go back to games where Kyrie hasn't played, and he can get north of 30, but it's not far from guaranteed. So I could I could see a case for it, but I wouldn't be scrambling over myself to try to get him in there. Chicago goes in and plays Miami. Miami's 10.5-point favorites um, against a Chicago team, which is another one of these teams that is uh, aggressively trying to lose. Yeah. They, they did it last night. They were able to pull off the loss last night despite kind of cutting it close against the Nets. They did put up 117 points against Brooklyn. <laughs> but, you know, the the, the starters, marketing in a, in a close game, marketing only played 31 minutes. Um, Chris Dunn, close game, played 31 minutes. Now he was getting foul trouble and turning the ball over every single time he touched it, so maybe that was part of the problem. Levine did play 36. Levine, it's funny, he's a perfect guy to tank with because he's so terrible at defense that you can keep him out there for a lot of minutes and just basically just get even on <laughs> get even on what he provides on the offensive end so he's like the perfect guy to, to kind of nod to the fans and say hey dude yeah play all I'll play all 36 minutes it's all good you'll just give it up on the defensive end and then Selden played 28 minutes and then all these bench guys do we need to be less aggressive on the Bulls minutes going forward as well like you know marking and just give him 32 and he's never going to show up in lineups until he gets down to like 5500 or something like that I I think this is where I'm going to end up landing with the Bulls and is that it seems crazy it's so early in the season, but is this, is this just the strategy here with Chicago? I think so, and I think you can continue to potentially slide these guys in for big tournaments. Like, we've seen some big games out of marketing recently. He had 19 rebounds. I, mean, he I had, know, I mean, back-to-back yeah. games, 15 and then 19. Again, best possible matchups for an opposing big, essentially, right. uh, with no Thompson Cleveland and whatever Brooklyn's thrown out there these days. So it's tough to compare that to going up against, like, Whiteside and James Johnson and guys like this. Um and that being said, again, he's got the potential in him, right? You know that the upside is there. You don't want to count on it as 10-point dogs against a Miami team that really should just wipe the floor with these guys right now. So I will not be playing any Chicago guys for cash tonight. Yeah, Vegas sure, sure seems to think it's like hovering between 10.5 and 11 right yeah. now. On the Miami side, Tyler Johnson is doubtful. Well, he's questionable, but I think he's closer to doubtful. He sat out last game. Wayne Ellington drew the start. Dwayne Wade is also questionable right now with a knee issue. Uh, like I said, Ellington got the start last game, played a, f- a fair amount of minutes. We did see 30 minutes. Oh, you know, this is going to be Trouble's territory here. We did see 30 minutes out of James Johnson <laughs> last game. Um, and I think you probably know where I'm going with this because anytime James Johnson mm-hmm. in our system trends over like 18 and a half minutes, um, or something, I'm, I'm kind of joking there, but sort of not really, is that like <laughs> at, at a week, it's mostly just because it's a weak FanDuel position at power forward. 
and he's always so cheap. It's I don't know. It's a guy that maybe consider. I, I, so I want your thoughts on him. I, I wrote up Justice Winslow as a possible play. We get Whiteside. The guy played 24 minutes and went for 13 and 17 last game. I think that there's in, Ellington even 31 minutes played shot uh, got up 19 points. You know, in sort of a punt shooting guard thing. Well, give me your thoughts on Miami because I think they they still do want to win. Ten and a half point favorites, and maybe we see more concentration out of the starters. Give me your thoughts on Miami. Oh, yeah, I mean they unquestionably want to win. They're in the playoff race. The question with Miami is what does how does them wanting to win impact the strategies they employ in terms of putting their players out there? Because that's really been uh, where yeah. you can theoretically make money if you can figure it out. I mean, like guys like Josh Richardson, his minutes have been pretty solid, but his performance has been crap. So, you know, I don't think I want to land on him. Um, you know, Winslow has been a guy who's been kind of like you know they've been tempted to try him at the point kind of like Richardson you're going to see far more games where he's not doing it versus where he is and if I had a nickel for every time I put James Johnson in my starting lineup in DFS in the last couple of years anyway like back in the Toronto days you know I have these like nostalgic feelings of James Johnson coming in and like having three blocks and five rebounds and four points in the first six minutes and those days are past I mean right. he can do it but again you just go ahead and Look up and down the game log. You can find 30-minute games, 25-minute games where he doesn't even get there oh, yeah. on a $4,000 price tag. So, yeah, I don't, you know, and there's blowout risk. I don't think I'm going to be, I'm not, I'm certainly not excited to play any Miami guys. If we come down to 7.30 lock time tonight and I have one and there's a really good reason for it, Tyler Johnson's out, there are increased minutes, I could think about it, but I'm going to look really hard to try to find a different option too. Yeah, um, like you know, if you want to catch the Whiteside game where he plays 28 minutes, he can win you a tournament, 7,500 on DraftKings. Um, you can you can get there on that that kind of minutes, and especially too like with a weak interior defense from the Bulls, it's just you can't you can't. It's very so hard to pay 7,500 on DraftKings for a guy who plays 24 minutes, and he's and his 24 minutes are they can be amazing, right? Like they can just he can just double double easy in that time with just. You go 2020 in that time. <laughs> That's what I mean. Chucking some blocks on top of it, and yeah. it just it's just so hard for him to stay on the court. We talk like a lot about a lock a bum strategy at times on Fanduel, where they just are going to take a drop. Ellington does sort of fit the bill for me here. If he's going to play 30 minutes, he's 3700 there. Um, you know, again with the lot with dropping that score on Fanduel, that strategy becomes viable, and he's a guy who. He fits. He he kind of checks the boxes because he can not be your drop, and you're not gonna be worried if he is. So anyway, Ellington um, was a guy like that for us last time, and I kind of see it maybe possibly being the same again. All right, let's get into the eight o'clock games. Memphis goes in and plays Minnesota. The injury news here: Jeff Teague has already been ruled out for this game, and I believe Derek Rose right now is questionable, though he hasn't played in the last few games either. So they're still running. It seems to be they're still going to be very short on point guards. Not a great matchup again against Memphis, who came out and looked good for a while against Denver, and then Denver ultimately just came um, and just took over and won the game. But let's start with let's start with with the Minnesota side. If T, well, excuse me, if Rose along with Teague was ruled out again, did you could you see Jared Bayless kind of sliding the laps? Took 13 shots, played 37 minutes last game. The the shots are the, the were the key for me because getting usage when you share the court with guys like Wiggins and Towns is. Is important. Could you see running him, even though the price is kind of creeped up a little bit, knowing it's a bad matchup against Memphis? Yeah, you can. I mean, the price has come up, but it's not come up to where the other point guards were. And I think what we're seeing with Minnesota right now is that, you know, with Rose, I think you probably get do get some increased amount of volume, but the difference between like Bayless and Jones and Teague, they all seem to do basically the exact same thing when they're in the starting lineup. And, right. uh, you know, Teague and Jones, we've seen them hit the mid-6,000s in price 
in a in a similar role in the past. So the fact that Bayless paid this price sort of handily in back-to-back games in very tough matchups with Utah tells me that he's probably playable at 5,000 as well. So yeah, I could certainly consider it here. Um, I'm curious to know what you think about the potential blowout risk in this game. Uh, our system certainly sees Minnesota as overwhelming favorites. I mean, Vegas likes them as six and a half point favorites. Our system is like well into the double digits and I double check the inputs. Nothing seems out of line to me. What are you thinking in terms of uh, how, like, are you going to, like, so when our system disagrees with Vegas, do you take that seriously? And do you want to, you know, ding them additionally for blowout risk and that kind of stuff? Or like, how do you, how do you process that when our system is so divergent when it comes to Vegas here? Yeah. Um, well, the one that there's, I, I'm just in, just in how the sausage gives me, I do, I did see one potential issue in our system where it's not accounting for a certain player. It's not accounting for one guy's points. So that's actually going to bring it up a little bit. Um, that's going to be, it's not going to be as wide of a margin. When I do see it, when I see it, when it's so disparate, I typically think that we have, we, we need to just do a, a little check. Now there are times where it's not. And if, if it's still overwhelmingly the case, like still double digits, then I, I'm fine just betting the game. Um, and I think it's I'm I'd be worried about a ten and a half points excuse me a six and a half point spread because Memphis and this is the other thing I want to get into about Memphis is Memphis has every incentive to a lose and b not play Conley or Gasol at all leading into the trade deadline because they right. they said they said they wanted to trade them and then they just didn't do that against Denver right like so I I they those guys played a lot of minutes and then Kyle Anderson played a lot and um they still play Justin Holiday I wrote Justin Holiday the guy played like forty minutes like I don't get Memphis because. Everything should point to, right? Like everything should point to them not playing their guys, right. and I don't, and they still are. So like I think, and that's kind of reflected in the Vegas line as well too. Like what? Do, how do we project these guys? Minnesota's not the worst matchup in the world here. How do we project these guys? Yeah, I think it's. I, I again, I would be cautious. I mean, even as if our lines come back together, um, when was the time this year where you felt great sliding in a Memphis guy and? hoping for the best. I mean, you're seeing near-peak prices on Jaron Jackson. Uh, Conley's a little bit off-peak prices, but not that far off and hasn't paid these prices over the course of the year anyway. So, yeah, I get that he's had a nice run of five games, but I go back to asking myself, what has fundamentally changed in the last five games that would make me want to play Mike Conley now? And if the answer is, well, he had five games in a row where he averaged 5x on this price, no, he's averaged less than four and a half times paying this price over the course of the season. And this isn't, you know, like the vintage Brooklyn matchup or, you know, like some of these old school matchups where you could give guys one and a half X multipliers. Like, nah, I'm not going to play any Memphis guys. I'm pretty sure unless, again, even more opportunity opens up for them. Uh, I just fixed this thing and it still it still has Minnesota covering the spread here. So I think uh, not by as much. Uh, we were seven points off that total. Um, now that it kind of jumps up to Memphis a little bit closer, but still have I would still probably take the under on the 103 and a half, and I probably would still take the Timberwolves points. And my own again, my only concern is that I really want to continue to count on these guys not playing all their minutes, and they just keep doing it. So I think that's my that's my only reason I just get a little bit just just a little bit worried about it. All right, the other eight o'clock game, Denver goes in and plays New Orleans. New Orleans obviously coming off that complete and utter surprise win against Houston last night. Mm-hmm. I I don't think that game was a twelve point Houston favorite. Games like twelve point favorites don't just lose. I, like the NBA just doesn't work like that. It can happen, but I, it's like it's so so rare. New Orleans does have a better point differential than Houston on the season, Doug. So. You know, the thinking man could have seen that coming. 
Yeah, well, that I was when... Thinking, I wouldn't have noticed they were missing all their players. But. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that was when they weren't starting... They rolled out a starting lineup last night of Drew Holiday, Frank Jackson, Solomon Hill, Darius Miller, and Jaleel Okafor. Uh, so yeah. I, that... And we're able to pull off the win. Let's talk about New Orleans, though, because they're playing at home now. They Again, they're another team that just should be losing. That's a, that would, that's a disaster win for them. They cannot win, the, they cannot win these games, knowing <laughs> that they're trading... They have to trade Anthony Davis. Like, I just don't... like I, Unless they think that, like... They're just going to bring Davis back and just try to make the playoffs or something like that. I don't see why that would be a good strategy, but who the hell knows with this team. What do we do with their minutes? I, like, uh, each one more rested last night. He's going to come back. He hasn't been playing a ton. Um, so I think we have to bump down Darius Miller. But then look, I mean, look at Julio Okafor. Like, is he just an $8,000 center at this point? I, he might be, right? I, I He's been... Amazing. Yeah. Uh, I don't. He's up to seventy four. Well, compare him to guys like I talked about, like Conley and so on. Okafor, there's a very good reason why he's been playing so well recently because all the big usage guys are out, yep. all the big rebounders are out, and he's just not an untalented guy. Like that was never the knock on Okafor. So, yeah, I'm I'm totally fine playing Okafor at seventy four hundred here. I think. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I haven't even uh, baked in last night's performance into the stats. It'll bump up his projection probably up and over forty something fantasy points would be my guess. And if they're just going to play them, if they're going to play these guys minutes and they're going to get feisty and think that they can stay in games, I, 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 36, 37 minutes seems fair to me. Holiday was a chalk play last night. He's getting very expensive. He kind of gets there on the blocks and steals. I, I, I hate counting on that stuff. Could you see him being a popular play again if their plan is to run him close to forty minutes? Because that's just how the Pelicans are going to roll now. Yeah, I mean, the only question is, you know, Denver really legitimately is one of the best teams in the league. So, you know, we're, we're again back in that blowout risk discussion. Our system certainly sees Denver as being very threatening here to push this game out of range. And I don't know how New Orleans could potentially react to that. So I, well, and maybe maybe I'm also walking back some of my enthusiasm about Okafor as well. But um, yeah, I think you, you definitely, you don't walk into this game assuming that it's just going to be a close back-and-forth contest because New Orleans had one good game against Houston, I guess is my thing. Denver's a better team than Houston, and New Orleans is probably worse than they looked against Houston. So, 100%. Uh, I think that this game yeah. could get out of hand easily uh, on the Denver side. Denver's excellent, um, and I think that I, I wonder how much of this line is a slight overreaction to basically them forcing eight steals and nine blocks on the on the on the Rockets last night like I just don't know and then you know Harden uh not shooting well I guess he shot okay from three six for six for 18 yeah I don't know I just think it feels it feels like ever I can't point to one stat but it sure feels like everything broke correctly for the Pelicans last night and I just don't see how that happens again but stranger things and all now let's talk about the Denver side because this is still an excellent matchup against the Pelicans. The Pelicans are greatly compromised, really on all ends of the court, specifically on defense with no Davis. They don't lose a ton on de- losing Randall on defense, um, I don't think. But either way, I wrote up basically every Denver guy. Uh, I wrote up Jokic as, pos- as just a cash game play here. I wrote up Barton, who is going to get the start again for Jamal Murray, and then Gary Harris, who I think the minutes trend up again. Could you see stacking these guys? It is we're going to get to the Kings in a second, but it's the Pelicans are right there with the with the with the Hawks as being which is one of the better DFS matchups you can get. Um, is it is it okay to pay the prices on these guys in Denver tonight, knowing the matchup? Uh, yeah, again, you are doing it with the hope that New Orleans hangs because Denver has shown very much a willingness to sit guys when games get out of hand, oh, particularly yeah. guys like Jokic. Uh, he's always the first one to to come out and the last one to come back in. And it makes complete and total sense. And, you know, Denver's actually played 
faster and looser than <laughs> sometimes I'm even comfortable with uh, when it comes to just waiting to the last possible second to hold these guys out. So, yep. you know, I think there's some guys that might be a like a slight exception to that. Like, I don't know if you can, like, if you look at small forward, it looks pretty rough tonight. Like, maybe you could squeeze in a Will Barton or something. But, yeah, overall, it's definitely, uh, it, I, I would be a little bit uneasy going for it. Um, I, I did have one guy on the other side, though. Uh, do we make anything of Kenrich Williams? I think I played 29 minutes, had 30 fantasy points in New Orleans last game. Uh, now, I only Houston. projected him for 13 rebounds, but he grabbed 16. Um, so I don't know if I so might... He, he exceeded the uh, number of rebounds that you were hoping for there. I mean, he's been getting a little bit of playing time. He was obviously like completely insane. You can't count on anyone to put up 16 rebounds across 29 minutes, the side of Hassan Whiteside or something. But um, They played him in crunch really, time. really, really cheap. Yeah, like, the, like They played him in crunch time, so that's a good sign. The bad sign is it's still Kenrich Williams, and what do you get? You can't give him more than like twenty-four minutes. I, like I don't know, I don't know, I don't know where I land on him. I, like this game seems like a complete and utter outlier. So I'm short of him drawing the start, but he's not going to do that because uh, he was playing like the shooting guard position, sort of in place of Solomon Hill, because uh, they and they ran Tim Frazier, I believe, during crunch time last night. I don't know. Good, it's a good game, and these games tend to be. These games tend to go especially off the come. bench. I, yeah. I think that's the the key point that you you brought out there, which is that when you're coming off the bench, so much more can go wrong for you than can go right for you, right? Like he's not going to exceed 29 minutes off the bench. You wouldn't think. So. No, no, no. Um, yeah. And then, like I said, you mentioned Barton on the Denver side. I, I feel very comfortable with him on Fanduel um, at small forward at a, at a pretty weak position. I don't even mind stacking him and Gary Harris together. Uh, I do think you're going to continue to see the minutes trend up for Harris, and he's been running really bad from three. So I think if not like he takes a ton of threes, but all he need at fifty two hundred, he just needs to regress even just a little bit back to his normal self from from beyond the arc. And I think you're buying that plus a potential minutes upgrade if the game stays close. Like if he goes from thirty one to thirty three minutes here and it hits an extra three pointer and a half or something. I know you can't hit a half three pointer, but something like that that brings it back to his career numbers. I think you're looking at a nice value play. I don't mind stacking those two guys together. All right, Indiana goes in and plays Washington. Washington is another one of those teams that they. I can't, so if you watch, I didn't watch last night's game, but I sort of followed along with what was happening. And they had a they lost to Cleveland in a very close game, but they were closing the game with like guys like Jordan McRae. Oh, I can't even remember the other guys. I, um, shoot, it was it was it was it was it wasn't like the Beal Sadoransky Otto Porter group. Like that was not who was closing this game out for them. But I don't know if that was more a. Oh, it was like Chase on. Oh, Gary Payton. I knew there was like another guy, like a total like loser that has been on every single team in the NBA. So Gary Payton, the second. Um, he he was the, another <laughs> one of the guys that was on the court. Decker was there too. Do you think this was more a hey the second unit brought us all the way back because they outscored the they outscored the Cleveland forty four to twenty eight in the fourth quarter, or do you think it's like we don't want to win another game here? We're twenty one and twenty nine. We're not making the playoffs. Like. Is that what do you if you were to make the situation in Washington as like what would be the situation for you? It's like part of me feels like it was like oh we'll let the second unit try to finish what they started, or it's like we have no desire to play Bradley Beal forty minutes anymore, or any of the rest of these guys as we just kind of play out the rest of the season. Where would you put Washington in that maybe tier of tanking? Yeah, it's very very hard to evaluate a team like this because you know I was kind of looking at them. I think on the last podcast we did maybe last Friday I was looking at them and kind of pontificating on what the heck was going on right because they look for all the world like a team that is still trying to make a playoff push and they simply don't have the personnel now they're on a two-game losing streak now and things are you know pushed a little bit further out of range I think they're 
And I take it back. I mean, there's three and a half games out of the playoffs. I, I think they're going to keep trying. I, I, how could you not, right? If right. you start tanking three and a half games out of the playoff race, you, they should just kick you out of the league. That's my position. So I think you see Washington continue to try. And I think that guys like McCray, did you see, by the way, that McCray dropped like 54 points in a G League game? And that's why they put him on the roster. Well, good for him. It's pretty yeah, awesome. I mean, that's yeah. so funny about NBA players. A lot, so many, I, mean, it's, it's, I don't want to get too far down on this, but so many NBA players are so similar that I've been wondering, I just wonder more and more about like, all it takes for, for most guys is just the opportunity. Like you see this with Okafor, you see this with Fareed. Like there's a reason these guys can't be on like the Warriors for sure. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to be like <laughs> right. like they can't be on the Warriors and they can't be on like even the Raptors. I don't think right. Like they can't be on these teams that are just solid and good and have a plan and you need to be able to do all the things well and that's how you stay on the court. Like you need to, be able to defend really well and switch and do all. Well, this you stuff. need to have synergy with the rest of the. Roster. But there's only like five teams like that, and all the rest of the teams have just these openings where I just feel like. I, I, if I was an NBA player, I'd almost be. I could see why these guys would get angry because they have to feel like they're equal to some of these other guys that are getting opportunity, who then just put up these like M, not MVP, like these All Star level stats. Like you know, Fareed just now twenty and ten guy or something like that. You know, Okafor is like just one of the best offensive centers in the league now. And if you're these other guys that are maybe walling on the bench, you have to just look at this stuff and just say. I could do that too, and they're and they're probably right, right? Like because year in year out, we just see guys. All it takes is Gorgie Dang getting thirty minutes a game, and the guy's That's like right. an eight thousand dollars center three years ago, right? Like I just don't. It's just it's such a the NBA is so crazy like that. Every, everyone's so predictable, and everyone's like basically the same. I don't know. Am I crazy to think this? Like this, I, the more the more I stare at NBA yeah, stuff, you're crazy to think. But I, I hear what you're saying. I think that where the GMs would come in and chime in on this would say like. But there really is a difference between shooting, being a career 40% shooter like McRae and being a career 44% shooter, right? And like that stuff tends to normalize over time. And sure, you can look good in anyone can. I think in the NBA, it's true that anyone can look good in stretches, but there are certain repeatable skills that make some guys, you know, like a, uh, the old Nate Silverism of close but clear, you know, yeah. it's like, yeah, these guys are not total. They're not one guy's a college player and one guy's an NBA player. But when you see them over the course of 82 games shooting a thousand shots, like it's pretty clear who's better, and I think that's where I a lot totally of agree with you. That, that yeah. actually pro- that actually proves my point. As what I'm saying is, there's a clear group of guys that it's one step above that, and then there's a, a huge group of guys, and and there a lot of them yeah, don't get right. the chance to play. Like that that's all I mean. It's like there's just this huge group of guys in this middle that is all much you know is significantly or worse enough than the group above that they're not that there's going to be a debate on certain teams. And then they could probably just look to these other guys who've just gotten new situations and just pour in fantasy points. I don't know. I just, yeah, I, you're, like, you're like Thomas Bryant, you know, who thought that Thomas Bryant would come in and again, be a justifying a $7,500 salary for a stretch. But then the wizards look at what they have and they're like, yeah, but maybe just 20 minutes a game is better, you know? Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, that's, that's all I mean. That's all I mean. It's just like, if you yeah. just, it, it, all these guys got to do is just get 25 minutes and, they're not going to be on a championship team, and no, 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 really, really good teams ever going to take a look. And but from, more from a fantasy perspective, they all kind of end up being okay. Well, I yeah. went spent too much time on this. Um, I already lost where we are. Uh, okay, ten o'clock games. We're talking about the Wiz. I, I think, yeah, and I don't want to play them. So if that's what you're wondering, <laughs> we two seconds worth of thought here on the Pacers. Uh, they did start Edmund Summer, yeah. which is a nice. I I yeah. was saying in chat, I was like, I feel like I know more basketball names and and guys 
than just about the 99.9% of people in the entire world, and maybe in the rest of the industry as well. And I had never heard of Edmund Summer when he was going, got into the starting lineup last game. I Played. came really close to texting you, but I was at a family dinner, and I was like, Edmund Sumner everywhere? Question mark? Did, got 10 <laughs> shots. Good for him. He got 10 shots up. Uh, like, he played 28 minutes, got didn't only made one, um, but he's going to stick in the starting lineup, threw in some blocks and steals. I don't know. There's worse things. That if, if, that, if he goes 5 for 10 from the field, which you have to figure, you know, or 4 for 10 and hits a 3, then all of a sudden he maybe isn't the worst pump play in the world. Um, it's going to be... I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Much better matchup here. I don't know, dude. If you did, if you watched him during his uh, NCAA tournament run with Xavier, then <laughs> Shut up, if you man. saw anything in the All same right. stuff that we're I saw out of time. during that run, <laughs> Atlanta. Goes Why are you interrupting me? I'm trying to talk about <laughs> that last season of Xavier when he. I mean, he shot 53 percent from the field. Like he's got talent, but. I know I'm, not, I'm I'm a little bit bigger on some of the stuff than you are. But sorry, we can move on if you don't want to go deep on. Trying to think when I think the last time you watched a college basketball game was. I'm gonna, I'm gonna think about. I'll think about it and I'll. But, all right, Atlanta goes in and it's plays been a really the, long time. The, the Atlanta goes. Sorry, in I caught play. the back end of a Georgetown game at my brother's house a couple years ago. So, go. <laughs> well, there you go. All right, uh, Atlanta goes in and plays the Kings. Uh, Atlanta, obviously, the best DFS matchup you can get right now. Worst defense. Oh, excuse me, fastest pace, bottom third defense, and then you get the Kings, who are another one. Which like. Just because you start on that team doesn't mean you're going to play a lot of minutes. I Do you think we see guys like Fox, Heald, Cauley Stein? In our system, it's good, and the shots have really dropped off in the short term. What are your thoughts here on the Kings? I actually like some Kings here. Uh, and before, I, I don't want anyone to question my cred when it comes to watching sports because you're accusing me of not watching college basketball. I don't watch oh, college oh, basketball. Let me, let me pause you real quick. I, I, haven't watched, to... I haven't watched a college basketball game in years either, so I'm not... <laughs> okay, I don't, good. Yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure we're on the same page because this is just one of those things. It's like it's like the same reason I don't go eat at McDonald's. No offense mm-hmm. to people that like McDonald's. It's the same reason... Like, I took my kid to a local high school basketball game and I felt like I was just watching a college game. It's like, okay, I can watch these guys play or people that are just actually super good at it. And... Yeah, I, time is precious, my friend. I don't want to watch people that are just not very. Oh good. yeah, no, no. I, I should clarify too. I, I, I barely even tune in for the tournament. I, and if it makes it, and if you think and if you think it makes me a worse analyst than this, and go, who cares? I don't. Doesn't matter to me. I've These already, guys stink. I, I don't. I hate to say it. And even the guys that are good that will be good in the NBA someday are so bad compared to the worst players in the NBA. Again, Edmund Sumner would. Uh, would be ripping the NCAA apart this season. So you're asking about Sacramento. Yeah. I actually really like Sacramento today. I think there are guys like Buddy Heald, who's at a lower price point than he has been. Uh, he, like un- unlike some of the other guys we've mentioned, like Conley, he does pass this baseline test where uh, he's averaging roughly 5x points per dollar mm-hmm. on the season. He's at an all-time high opportunity-wise right now. He looks for all the world like he's locked into a 35-plus minute rotation. Uh, the usage is solid. The price is lower than it had been at different points in the season. I think he's, you know, it is the Kings and stuff can happen, but for Heald anyway recently, it hasn't happened recently. Uh, I think there's only one game in his last six where he played less than 32 minutes. He's the one of the few, he's like really the only Kings guy that I can really trust to play the minutes. Um, Like he, Fox kind of gets there. Bogdanovich still comes off the bench, which is always going to be problematic. Um, even and the rest of these guys like Shumpert and Bijalika, these guys' minutes uh, yeah, just, they're interchangeable. They just come and go too much. But Heald is the one guy, and I would say I would put Fox next to him. But I I would still say Heald. But Fox's up. rotation is just a little bit less. Like I think Fox's minutes are relatively secure, but they're secure in that thirty to thirty-one minute range Correct. with thirty-five minute upside. Where Heald is like thirty-three to thirty-five minutes securely with thirty-eight minute upside. So. Um, yeah, that's the distinction I would draw. I'm higher on Shumpert than you are, I think, too, by the way. Um, I think while the performance can come and go, uh, the rotation is very solid for him right now. It's, it really isn't that 
28 to up to 36 minute range uh, when they really need him for his defense. So Shumpert, I think, is playable for DFS too today. Yeah, I'm at 31 minutes. He's a good points per dollar multiplier on FanDuel. Had like yeah, seven, right so. around 24, right around 24 fantasy points. All right, let's finish it off here. Uh, well, excuse me, uh, real quick. Atlanta, they're just in our team. The, the guys just play 30 minutes or less. John Collins is way too expensive, I think. Uh, like he can come yep. sometimes kind of get you if you get to the 33, 34 minute mark on him, and it's going to be really hard to trust. Utah, Portland, not really much to see here based on comparing them this matchup to the rest of them. Uh, Utah, very slow pace. Portland, kind of the same. They're going to get Damian, Damian Lillard is back here. I Not really much I'm seeing from a fantasy perspective here. Maybe okay to watch this game, and I just the 218 total has me pretty much off it with a team that has all their opportunity pretty much locked into the same price point. Uh, any final thoughts here on this game? No, not especially. I mean, I think... Again, it's two teams that mostly play their players the same number of minutes outside of crazy opportunity. Uh, that's going to mean that you really only play them in good matchups, and neither team has an especially good matchup here. You know, both these teams uh, rank in the bottom half of the league in pace. Utah's a great defensive team. Portland basically average. So, yeah, nothing nothing truly to see here, I don't think. All right, dailyfantasysportsrankings.com is the site. DFSR.com for short. DFSR.com slash deals will get you the podcast listener. A uh, special offer to our premium package includes optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings, NBA, NHL. Uh, it's all covered under one subscription package, premium chat as well. So go check that out. You get a free trial so you can uh, you know, take it at no risk. And then we think he'll be with us for the long term. We'll be streaming tonight on Twitch uh, as we lead into lock from 6 to 6.45, breaking down all the injury news. So go check that out, twitch.tv slash podcast, and I'll put that in the show notes. I think that's it for us. We'll be back again on Friday talking more basketball. And we'll also be having a Super Bowl podcast where we talk some player props with us and uh, our other buddy Chris Terrell uh, talking leading into the Super Bowl. We'll be putting that up on Friday. It's all under the same channel. All right, buddy. Uh, enjoy your Wednesday night in basketball. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.99%, APR 4.08%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 1.25% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 33. Fall is finally here, and so is Old Navy's Big Fall Sale. Get thousands of styles from just 5 bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long-sleeve tees for the whole family, and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus, save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out. Hurry in for thousands of styles from just 5 bucks now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025, select styles only. 